This morning, I want to remind you to start off with, with the vision that we set out in the church profile a few months ago. And underlying the vision were two statements of, of Jesus. The first was the greatest commandment, and the second was the great commission. And on the first two Sundays in January, we considered the first of those two statements, the great commandment. And we tried to make it more than just a head exercise by posing the questions, what does love require of us? And what does love require of me? How do we respond in practical ways to what Jesus said? I hope the question has remained with us and that it is still driving our response to the circumstances in which we find ourselves when we're faced with a need from somebody or even a sense of injustice. I was reminded just a week ago that the prophet Amos wrote about the fact that God longs for his people to demonstrate genuine concern for the welfare of all people, including deliverance from injustice. In Psalm 89, verse 14, we find this description of his kingdom. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So today we're going to begin to consider the second of those two statements by Jesus, the Great Commission, which we find in the passage that we read earlier from Matthew. Now in today's culture, if you say you are following someone, people will likely assume that you're referring to some form of social media. There's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's Twitter. Each of these allows you to keep up with what a family member, a friend, or even a celebrity might be doing. What have they been saying? Where have they been? What did they have for dinner, if we're interested? Today, we're going to consider following in a different context, a very different context. What does it mean to be following Jesus? Our key verses for today are taken from our reading. Let's have another look at just verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end 
of the age. Now I want to home in on just four words and I'm highlighting them here. Go, make, teach and observe. All these four words are verbs and they're all actions. Now you might point out to me that baptize is also a verb and an action, but it's slightly different. Or it is from my point of view for what I want to get across this morning. Go, make, teach and observe. Go means to move from one place to another. Make means to form something by putting parts or ingredients together to create something new. Teach causes someone to learn or understand something, maybe by our example or experience. Observe means to fulfill or comply with, perhaps on an ongoing basis. I want to suggest to you this morning that these four, unlike baptized, are all processes. A series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. For example, when you go, you don't immediately arrive at your destination. It takes a period of time. Similarly, when you decide to make something, you don't get all the ingredients out of the, of the cupboard and instantly your cake is there before you. Perhaps we wish it was like that, but it isn't. And it's the same with teach and observe. They take time. These four uh, words and these verses that we've looked at uh, reveal to us two important things. The first thing is they get over to us what Jesus wanted to get over to us, and that is how we further his, his mission. We are to go. We are to make disciples. We are to teach, and we are to, to teach the disciples to observe everything that Jesus said. But secondly, what these four words do is they help us to understand the process involved in becoming a disciple and in following Jesus. And it's this I want us just to spend some time together this morning considering. When we hear the good news of Jesus, when we hear the good news, the gospel, and we grasp it such that it leads us to accept Jesus as our savior and subsequently decide to trust and follow him, we become one of his disciples. However, we are what I would describe as an unfinished one. We're not a finished disciple. And it's so important for us to understand this. We are not finished. Jesus called each of the 12 to follow him for about three, three years. And they became his disciples. But there are several incidents related in the New Testament that reveal to us that they were imperfect. 
they were unfinished. When they heard Jesus's invitation or his command to follow him, they began a process of change within themselves. In Matthew chapter four and verse 19 in the Amplified Version, it says this, and he said to them, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walked and I will make you fishers of men. And if we look in the Passion Translation of the same verse, it puts it slightly differently. Come and follow me and I will transform you into men who catch the people of God. You know, there's a category of TV program that seems to be very popular at the moment. It's where homes and gardens are transformed from one state into another. It doesn't happen instantly, but over a period of time. It may be a matter of hours, but might be a matter of days. Actually, yesterday, Shirley and I looked at uh, a version of Grand Designs. It's a program that we quite enjoy. And uh, it's interesting that whenever the owners of the property uh, tell Kevin that uh, it's gonna take them six months or 10 months, he almost always sniggers under his breath because he knows that it will take them much longer than that. People are always very optimistic in terms of how long the transformation will take. We think about a, a, a boy or girl who's at school and they develop an interest in athletics. Well, they decide that they want to be an athlete. So they will start training. And as soon as they start training, they can legitimately call themselves an athlete, but they're not the finished product. They're not gonna be entering into the Olympics. It isn't instantaneous. It requires dedication. It requires commitment. It requires training, but they have a goal, maybe a series of goals, which they will work towards. If you consult a dictionary, a disciple is defined basically as a pupil of a teacher. Rabbi had pupils, as did philosophers in the Greek world. Plato was a disciple of Socrates, but Plato also himself had a disciple called Aristotle. Pupils often adopt the distinctive teaching of their teacher. John the Baptist had disciples, as did the Pharisees. And the Jews considered themselves to be ultimately disciples of Moses. Now, Paul, Apostle Paul, was a disciple when he was young, but not of Jesus. In Acts chapter 22, verse 3, he wrote this, I am a Jew, 
born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. So basically, a disciple is a learner or pupil, someone who adheres to the teaching of another person and who takes up the ways of this teacher. And in biblical times, this was very common, especially in religious matters. If you wanted to learn, you didn't go to college, but you became the disciple of someone else. Jesus' disciples followed him closely for about three years while he traveled around the towns and the villages. They stayed with him. They were invited to a wedding with him. They celebrated religious feasts with him. They watched him. They learned from him. They copied him. And they began to practice what he practiced. John Mark Comer, who's the pastor at uh, Bridgetown Church in uh, Portland, Oregon, actually said this. Becoming an apprentice or a disciple of Jesus requires that we actively work to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and carry out his kingdom vision for the world. And an Argentinian pastor called Juan Carlos Ortes, who's written a great book called Disciple, said in that book, a disciple is a person who learns to live the life his teacher lives. So disciple is not a communication of knowledge or information. It is a communication of life. Discipleship is more than getting to know what a teacher knows. It is getting to be what he is. And this is echoed again by John Mark Comer. It is an entire life's pursuit. It is not just an event on a Sunday, but a way of life in community around the teachings of Jesus. To live this way means we need to be transformed from the inside out. It means you reorganize your life around three goals, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. If we feel sometimes that we're not growing very much as a disciple, remember it's a process. We're not complete. We are unfinished. But it's also not all down to us. We do have to take responsibility and to do our part. But as John Mark Comer explains, you know, we have to do something but the very end of the Great Commission are these words from Jesus. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then he went on to remind the disciples of the promise of the Father. 
that the Father was going to send the Holy Spirit. And in the amplified version of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we are reminded of this. And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this morning, be encouraged. God has started a work within us, and he hasn't finished it yet. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and let his Holy Spirit continue the transformation within us. But before we finish this morning, before I finish, we need to recognize an important and uncomfortable truth, that to be a disciple involves sacrifice. The gospels record two occasions when Jesus told his disciples or those around him, that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then there was an incident that's related to us in John chapter 6, when there was a time when many of Jesus' disciples began to walk away. They didn't spend any more time with him. And Jesus turned and said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Dear friends, there is a cost and we need to remind ourselves of that. And now as I close, I want to share with you one more quotation from the late Dallas Willard, who's an American philosopher. And he said this, he was asked a question about what the greatest issue in the world was today. And he replied with these words. The greatest issue facing the world today with all of its heartbreaking needs is whether those who are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live a life of the kingdom of heavens into every corner of human existence. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we have at some point in our lives decided to follow you. We thank you for the process of transformation that you have started in our lives. And Lord, regardless of how long we have walked with you, we know that the process still remains unfinished. We thank you for what you have done. 
We thank you for the habits that you have broken. We thank you for the character that you have changed within us. But this morning, we ask that you would continue that process of transformation. And Lord, when we feel discouraged, when we feel that we're not getting closer to you, we ask that you would remind us that you have promised to remain with us forever and that we have the Holy Spirit within us making those changes. But you haven't left us on our own. So this morning we give you thanks and praise for all that you have done and for all that you are doing in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.